0: I am very passionate about business in all aspects. I, I, I don't just try and study my industry, but I study all industries across the board because you can basically find all the principles are always the same. Yeah. I mean, it's like training. It's like training. All the principles across training and nutrition are the same. People's methods, execution, and and, and niches are all independent or Mm. Or, you know, built by them, but the foundational principles are the same. It's the same with business, you know. Money always talks, and it's in the end, it is about it is about making money. Yeah. But how we make money and the motivations behind that, and our motivation behind that, and the way we live our lives, the way we want to live our lives, and it all is still comes down
1: to making money. Yeah, so I think um, that, that that's a common thread in most businesses that start off the back of um, hobbies or leisure activities or passions or stuff like that. I feel like, so it's the same in the filmmaking, photography world. Um, basically, I, I feel like there'd be a lot of people out there who I love strength training, love going to the gym, love powerlifting, How awesome would it be to powerlift all day long and Mm. that be my only job and get paid to do it? Right. Like that, Mm. I think that goes through people's mind all the time. Do you get a lot of people coming to you um, or asking you how to break into the industry? And
0: yeah, all the time. And I think the first thing is being able to separate business from hobby. Mm. And as is nice as it sounds like to do your hobby as a business, you need to be able to distinguish whether you're doing a hobby or you're running a business. And it really does matter because if you're running a hobby, personal influences, and I've made this mistake many times, Mm. but your, 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 personality, your choices, your things that how you view your hobby will dictate how that will pan out financially. And, it's only for me in the past from the lessons I've learned has only ever been detrimental to focus this as a hobby rather than looking at what the economics is behind trying to establish a, a service mm. that is sustainable and accepted by the market.
1: Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that so... <laughs> We're similar in that regard, in that we're both in a service-based industry. The best thing I ever did, um, I mean, I'm in video production, okay, is I got somebody who wasn't somebody who created videos to give me an outside perspective on the business aspect of it and look at it as an actual business because I think the trap you can fall into with service-based businesses we were talking about this before service-based businesses are basically money for time Mm -hmm. right and you only earn more money by getting better at that service and charging more per hour effectively Mm -hmm. and the problem you have is it's a very difficult business model to make sustainable Mm -hmm. you have to be you have to be
0: really 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 good at business it's very volatile service industry is very volatile and I think this is where where people get their own personal ideas or into the service industry, where they try to you know, try to reduce their own reduce volatility or try to make it a, a hobby, mm. and then create a service based off how things say are more optimal. The way you view the world, let's say you know, um, example locking people into really long contracts yep. is that. In the end, services is you provide a service for exchange for exchange of money, and um, if you, you know, the more time you're able to leverage, the more money you can make. So if you have more more employees and more coaches under you, you have more time to leverage. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the demand coming in, then you lose money because you have such high time to lots of time to pay for. Yeah. And this is all in the, that is the fundamentals fundamentals of it. If And the the value we give that can be based off time or the end result or the value like Mm -hmm. yourself yours is the would be a mixture of time
1: and the result. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, so I think I think an interesting thing to talk about there. I think the big mistake everybody fuck I made this for so long is people don't understand how to price their time and what that actually means. So. What I provide is a mix of a final product, but the way the way I work out how much that final product is going to cost is based off how long it will take me, and I mm-hmm. know exactly to the hour what every mem- every part of that production process is worth mm-hmm. hourly. And basically, what we do is we work out exactly what it's going to take to make it because we've got experience now, and we, we can mm-hmm. say, tell at the start it's going to take you know three days for this and four days for that, mm-hmm. and that's how we get the pricing and. I think the problems a lot of people make, um, and I can guarantee it's the same in your industry, is they don't know how to price their time properly. Here's a good way. Here's a good. Here's a formula I use to
0: help people. So okay. I do have people that come come to me and ask me. It's like, you know, how to start their business. And one of the most important questions is, um, I, I first sort of start off with, you know, um, what's their goal with it? Yeah. Why are they doing it? Because that can obviously first dictate the type of services or how you want to provide those services for the individual. Um, Cause it has to be based off your passion and the goal you want and the outcome you want yep. from that. Now pricing is going to come down to basically your first off the first number. I always say people to create, what does it cost to sustain your life? And uh, you can call this like <laughs> your basal metabolic rate. What is it? Mm-hmm. What is the minimum you always, always need? And I say whatever whatever that is, divide that time divide that number by at least twenty. So if it costs you one thousand dollars to live per week, divide that by twenty, that's twenty hours. You know, then you got a baseline measurement for money. So anything above 20 hours of work that you can get paid can be more.
1: Mm.
0: Now, if that's still not enough because your goal is to reach, let's say you it's probably more ideal to be something like in a 30% surplus of what? your minimum number is, I think this is what I end up, end up doing. So if it's a $1,000 per per week to sustain your life, then it's $1,300 divided by 20 is a good starting number, mm. I find. Because you want to spend 20 hours on business and 20, 20, 30 hours in business, 20 to 10 hours on on the business. Mm. And when you build the services, so when I lay out the services, I a goal is... What I learned in sales is that you need to keep your product as simple as possible and as minimal as possible. Mm, So meaning that uh, if you're an independent coach, I suggest generally only creating two services for someone. Um, When I ran lifters league, if you run a bigger business, I provided three. Okay, it makes it a lot easier to sell, and you get better conversion rates with less products. The more products you have, the harder it is to convert. Mm. Um, and you're already fine if you have more than three services. Most people are already going to be going to a, two of them, two or three of them. Yeah. So those should be the only ones you should be providing, anyway. Um, and there's a lot, there's a, there's a fair bit of psychology behind behind that as well when it comes to you know because you will have three services and we'll eliminate one. Or two and only them one option or two options um, which then creates demand for mm. to make a choice quickly rather than give an opportunity to, to take away and think about it because there's not much to think about when it comes to providing two services other than thinking about your own finances so when you have your system in place what 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 time does it take to provide so for myself I have monthly coaching and weekly coaching okay and we haven't an, you can add add or take away uh, diet coaching to that, hmm. so it's really two services with an add-on. Um, I do have one more service, which you can consider my third service, which is basically a ten pack of um, ten pack coaching. Right. Okay. Yeah. Package yourself now. In I provide a unique service called athlete athlete management. It's based off the type of clients um, I service and the type of uh, individuals and what 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 system is optimal for these individuals, which is basically people want to know what to do, how to do it, and get consulting and advice. And my job is to then obviously provide that for that individual. And I do that all on an online basis. So that membership baseline that I have is then divided by by how long it takes me to manage that. So that means the weekly weekly check-ins, the time it takes to do... My research on that individual, so meaning like follow up questions, um, Mm. watching videos, then how long it takes to then write the new program, deliver that program, um, and so on. So then, obviously, the more efficient your processes are, the more efficient you can be with that time. And once you have a number, then that is your that is a number you start you start you can start with, Mm. and you can then increase that and change it over time based off you know demand. And you know, the niche or the difference you have of your product compared to other people's products. Um, I know I have a spe- I have a very different type of product, so you know I charge a little, I charge a little bit more um, than you might mm-hmm. see in the most industry. So now you have your minimum minimum rate. You now have calculated the time it takes to then deliver deliver a service, yep. and then you base that off. You give that as the price basically as a start. Um, And then you have your cost of services. Now my 10 pack, I charge my coaching sessions independently. So then people pay my membership, which then really works really well with my lifestyle, my lifestyle goals. Um, My lifestyle goals is to have since I had a gym is, is, and it's always been the same. It's just, I've changed the focus a little bit more based off what I want to get out of the business. Yep and it is you know yeah we all want financial freedom but also freedom of um location Mm -hmm. so meaning that you know i am free to move around travel and still do do my work so um really the main those main two things i'm financially independent and i can move around and do things Mm -hmm. and then the third one is my ability to invest invest my money into um, a growing diversified portfolio, you know, and I can only do that if I earn a surplus. So um, knowing what my end goals are, I can work backwards to find out what, what rates, how many clients I need and all those things. So I have all the numbers I need to then know where I want to go. And then you got to follow your plan, like a training program. Mm -hmm. You can't go splurge your extra money on crap yep um if you don't follow your plan, you won't be successful in business and i had the, i made the mistake a hundred times i'd earn, I'd go out to have periods of earning extra you know you know tens of thousands of dollars and you know you're gone just as quick as we'll it comes me. in yeah
1: yeah <laughs> it, at, there's a, the, okay so there's a lot there that I actually want to go back to um so uh the first thing I would say is um Yeah, there's a couple of things. Let's talk to the time management. I think it's important that for anybody just starting out, what you think, how how long you think it will take to do things is is way off, way off, right? And the only way you're going to learn it is you're probably it's probably going to take you a couple of years, to be honest. But I highly recommend logging your time. And strictly logging your time when you start a service-based business, mm-hmm. don't round it up to the day or half day. Go, how many actual minutes and hours does it take me to do each individual client? Right, because a lot of people make the mistake of being very subjective. I think it's going to take me that long, or I think you need to, you need to actually know, right? And you, that comes of two ways: either you log all of your time. Or you've done it for so long that you just intuitively know because you've done it for that long. I mean, I think that that's that's a, that's a the first thing. And then what you can do from there is if you've got it all written down and there's set times, you can then look at it and go, you know what, to make this business better, I can either make my process more efficient there, so it takes me less time, mm-hmm. therefore I'm earning more money, I can put another client in there, say. Um, or you can scale it the other way and, and, and work out ways to add more and more and more clients right? but you're, you're working off a objective figure you know how long yeah. each client's going to take that's number one, I think the other thing I pulled from that is um, the, the goal setting with business is like it's so key, no, no different from training, we've talked about goal setting for training and you have to understand your why and why you're doing it and with business, it's just... Because because if you're set, setting up any bit... How long have you been opening and closing businesses in this industry now? It's 2011. Right. I would say for the f- the first five years is fucking hard. Like, really hard. You don't know what you're doing. You're broke, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you're making all the mistakes. It's, it's really, sure. really, 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 really hard, right? And I think if you haven't sat there at the start if you if your thought process at the start is i just want to be involved in the fitness industry and that's my only goal you're going to price yourself wrong you're going to net you got to think about how to build this business like where do you want to be in 10 years mm-hmm. because the, the business has to get you there and
0: the it, business has to be heading in a direction you know you got to have it's, we know it's going to take growth, so you have to start from somewhere that is mm. manageable to somewhere where you ideally want it to be. You know, this is why I say 20 hours as well because I don't want to work 40 hours a day because in reality, business is usually 50-50. If you can't work 50% on your business in terms of creating development, growth mm. and stuff, you know, usually then you're putting in more time because I'll always at least put 10, 10 hours, 10, 15 hours, 10, 15, 20 hours into development development of the business. So if, if my client work is taking me 30, 40 hours and I'm working 50, 60 hours yeah. and that's usually the case when you're first starting. Yes. But it is a good baseline to start off with the, the division by 20 hours um, even though you'll probably work 40,
1: 50, 60 hours. Yeah. I mean, at the start you take any client mm. and any money you can, right? But I think the key thing is that like you made a really good point. Like very few people make their businesses work for them. What happens is they blink, they wake up five to ten years later, they're working 50, 60 hours a week, and they're like, What the fuck am I doing? I don't enjoy this. Like mm-hmm. this this is too much. Like, this is why you need that perspective all the time of what my life like if you want a lifestyle, right, that is f- steeped in routine and you only want to work between nine and five and you want your weekends free. Then you should just go. And get, you should just go and get a job, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it. You've got to think. You've got to think how you want to live, and I think the the uh, if you can keep that in perspective, business is a brilliant way to craft any life you want, right? Because you can make your business fit you. Like you've you've obviously developed that flexibility. You're doing it all remote. It will allow you to travel, and at the same time, you're financially free. That that's huge. Most people would kill for that. I think what I see all the time. I've
0: had a few people want to do this and then realize realize that okay, it's a lot of responsibility, and I don't want mm-hmm. to do this. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Some yeah. people aren't suited aren't suited to it. But the freedom comes the freedom comes at a cost that you are responsible for everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Where when it comes to making money, it's easy just to turn up, do what you like doing, and then get paid for that. Um, rather than un- re- then not-, not realizing that you are the person responsible for bringing the money and servicing that individual, mm-hmm. you're responsible for the marketing, developing the systems, maintaining the systems, and
1: all not getting paid for it. The, 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 yeah, and, and I think it's something that intimidates a lot of people, and, and I think it should. I think it's definitely something to think about if you've got a family or you've got other people who are relying on your income because i've been in i've been in this scenario personally with my business mm-hmm. when you're getting towards the end of the month and you can't see that money coming through the door that is that is like some of the worst stress you can ever have especially if you're providing for somebody um and when you're in business it it if you're in a job you can do poorly in your job for usually a month or two right mm-hmm. and you have like meetings about it and then you'll have um, disciplinary meetings and, and you basically fail over the period of two to three months before you even get fired and then you can get another job, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you don't perform in your business, you don't get paid. You mm-hmm. don't get paid. You, like money's not coming anyway. So you have to be fully committed and I think it's imp- it's important to be able to ride the waves because there are going to be many times where money isn't coming through the door. And then there'll be other times where is, it really is. This is where the other
0: responsibility comes into place is that when it comes to earning a wage, the responsibility is on the owner to sustain that obviously sustain their wage. They get mm-hmm. leave, they get always get a constant secure, secure paycheck, which is then protected at some part by the government. Yes. Um, for us, it is required when it comes to business is that because the service industry is volatile, all business is volatile, yeah. um, it is subject to economic change in the environment, market demand and all those things and means we need a surplus, both surplus of cash flow and if that doesn't, mean need surplus of capital and, and capital needs to be able to sustain down, downturns on cash flow. Yes. And um, whatever that number is is different for everyone. Um, there's times where I decided it would be one month, one months of expend of you know months of expenses. Some people would go three months. Yep. Um, I personally do one month because I see three months as a waste of capital, and capital can be utilized for something else to right, generate okay. income. Um And you should always have you always have having something, so you're never going to lose a whole month straight away. You probably stretch that month out for a good yep. three months. Yeah. But. Just like a program you measure everything and i measure my cash flow every single month and every single quarter i compare months and i compare quarters and when i start to see a downturn in cash flow where then i'm eating into capital obviously then i have to reassess the situation Mm -hmm. to then find out where things need to be changed whether there needs to be changes in my prices client acquisition or or expenses expenses going out Mm -hmm. where in the whole system is is their efficiency uh lost or gained and where can it be gained? And can I just bring more money in?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then this is where you look at securing your long-term cash flow is also diversifying outside your industry. If you want to be good at business and have a sustainable mm-hmm. business income, if you want to create that freedom, you can't just also just be in the fitness industry. You need to be. You need to be looking at all aspects of trying to generate income, which you can build multiple revenues. So I use, I have more than just coaching coaching revenues as yep. well and the more you can diversify that and diversify outside the industry the better you, you the better off you'll be um you know something simple as you know looking at having ex having having a goal like we've come up with a goal to try and put $1000 a month in stocks mm. stocks is always going to grow and usually if you you can sustain that for 5 to 10 years you can easily make a you know easy make you know between 10 and 30 grand of turn a grand per year on dividends and increase in stock stock prices. Um, And that's a very easy way to do it with no work other than just learning to save your money. Um,
1: But yeah. So, okay. There's a, there's a, there's a few good things there. I think you you, you mentioned that we should unpack. Uh, Number one is you, when you're in a job, what you get paid is what you get paid every month you have a contract you get paid the same thing right when you're in a, especially in the service based industry and to be honest if you're selling products as well you've got to account for the fact that there are peaks and troughs in your i can imagine i don't i don't know but i can imagine in the fitness industry for for if you're just a general pt um january is a good month for you right if you're just generally a pt who who deals with gem pop you know, January is a good month for you. I I would probably guess there will be down months for other reasons. And what you need- Usually two to three months after January. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, because everybody crashes and burns, realizes they don't want to do it. Um, But you as a business owner, if if you want to be a good business owner, has to account for the spread. And what that means is that that money, you don't look at money based off, Oh, January I made heaps. You judge it based off, like you said, the quarter. Mm. And you know what? You'll find that it's probably balanced out by the next two months and you'll have made the same as the three months afterwards across those three months. And you've got to think that way. Months, I find in business, months
0: are still quite volatile in terms of getting accurate Mm. measurements. Quarters are really good. But it's still good to see on a monthly basis to make micro changes into your business and looking at quarters to look at more macro changes. Um, Years don't tell you... Too much of that, but more long-term strategy plans you can take into yeah. what kind of long-term goals are we going to do to sustain a constant increase in uh, cash flow, maintain this cash flow, whether it's yeah. diversifying
1: your portfolio or revenue streams. Mm. And, and I, I think that there may be people listening who either have never been involved in business before in their lives or would classify themselves as poor when it comes to the organizational side of things Um, I would class myself as one of those people when I started Um, I think my recommendation there is get a good accountant Um, you need somebody it, it could be an accountant, could be a partner, whatever, somebody has to hold you accountable to your money and the money coming in and out of the business and where it's all being spent and you need you need some outside accountability mm. there. You need a good accountant that is going to work with
0: developing your business and mm. looking at your business from a third perspective, from a different perspective, yep. um, from a purely financial perspective. You don't don't just get a cheap accountant that is just going to do your bookwork. It's not going Agreed. to not going to help. Um, I've been I've been done I've had a few I've been through a few and I finally came across the right one and yep. I, I realized like some of these accounts were just costing me more and more money I was like I'm not really mm. other than just doing my paperwork it's not really adding any value to the business
1: yeah I, I think the, the best when it comes to accountants I think something to look out for is are, you, are they booking you in for quarterly catch-ups but that's no. that's a basic one like mm. they should be business consultants and what happens is if you get a good one they get you in a room your profit and loss sheet and all your accounts are up on a screen and they'll go through every part okay you're spending more money here maybe you can increase your prices here because that will increase this 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 and this they're they're, they're trained to do it and they know what they're talking about but the the important thing is, is it takes it out of your hands because one of the biggest mistakes I made, and I think a lot of people make in business, is you, d- you don't have a business perspective. Mm-hmm. You you are not seeing it through a business lens. You're seeing it through this business that you built and you're proud of and you enjoy and all these feelings associated with it. When in actual fact, you need someone to come and look at it as cold, hard figures and facts.
0: And um, That happens a lot in this industry is that it gets very emotional. People build a gym because it's emotional. People... Yeah. Um, um, coach people or teams because it's emotional. In the end, you got to look at the basic economics of what the services provide mm. and do, does it, does it work with what the, what a large number of population, large number of the population is doing. I find from what I've seen, um, actually these guys at Zero W do a really good job. Okay. And they do it because it's basically same kind of same, same way as me. I have no contracts. If you, mm. Believe in your product. Prove it by not having a having a fucking contract. Um, and so, one thing they don't have contracts. They um, provide a high end service for a, for a niche niche product. Where um, so they charge. They have like their general fee, like casual, casual or just memberships. Like I would pay because yep. I can train myself and everything. Um, and then they'll have most of the people who would pay for ongoing programming and coaching, which is ranges between I think something like $80 or $90, $100. And a few people are doing this model. Mm-hmm. And I suggested this model because I was trying to develop that many years ago. I end up going down the wrong direction. But the, the thing was is that we were a service that initially used to provide a gym for a $20 per week, $30 per week membership which is the same price as your common fitness first, mm-hmm. but their model yeah. is volume. Their model is 5,000 members that they need a turnover every, every two years. All yeah. right. And power gyms are lucky to get 30, yeah, 30 it's or so 40 people. Yeah. It's so specialized. So it needs to be charged for that because your expenses are going to, my expenses for my gym was just as much of a fitness, much as much as a fitness first, besides yeah. all the you know wages and stuff for me to, have a brick and mortar business Buy the equipment was as much as the layout as a, as a fitness, fitness first would be, um, because the quality of my equipment was much higher. It was actually much more expensive mm-hmm. to acquire the equipment I wanted as well. Um, so, you know, what we ended up going to then that, and the, by the end of my gym was that it was, a, a you know, a, it was a, both a tangible, and service-based product where the membership was inclusive of either A, a coaching session and programming or just programming and nutrition. So you mm. were providing that service, which then now you added a service and a physical location for a member membership, which then you charged $80, $90. And that model is quite successful. I've mm. seen it with a few gyms and it's a very successful model in a niche market. Yes. Um, the thing is, 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 is that when people get too caught up in just – well i can all i can how i can put it is just their own ego is that they want their gym to be them they want their gym to be um about specifically just what they provide their sport just powerlifting or just strongman or just mm-hmm. whatever it is you, you, you can't you have to service uh where a lot, where there is demand yep um and unfortunately there isn't a huge demand in strength sports, you know, in our, in our eyes, in our community there is because yep. we know every single person that there, <laughs> that does it. Yeah. Um, but it isn't. And you need to be open to what system's going to work to be able to introduce new members into mm. developing, developing that community. Can you transition to the general population into becoming, you know, someone who wants to compete either competitively or recreationally yeah. in the
1: sport? Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one I feel like for most people in the fitness industry owning their own gym is the dream right like mm. that's that's the that's the post dream um but you realize this you had a dream a gym anytime you have bricks and mortar same way as if you have staff or anybody like that when you build up staff and a location, Every minute of the day, it's costing you money. Every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. So we would talk about the pressure to bring the money through the door. That's that's 10x with a physical location. And if you, if you don't have people in there and signed up, you're losing money every day. And, and you talk about the fitness first. Their business model is based on Twenty percent of their people actually go into the gym at any one time. Ten percent even. And if they have a pro- a projection model, and this is the problem with some
0: models with some people, when you develop mm-hmm. a model that you sustain a lead gener- lead in- a lead intake and conversion rate per month, yep. you, you understand like how much money and time it costs to actually maintain a a client acquisition rate of you yep. know more than just a few. It's expensive and time consuming and. Fitness first can do it because they also pay lots of stuff. They have, you know, you have not just a salesperson, but they have a whole sales team with, yep. with the team that manages that team and to hit those targets Martin and marketing teams. They've got advertising budgets. and Yeah. I spent a lot of money on advertisement. I got to, um, I think, in one year, and it's still tiny in comparison to what people were spending. But I had like mm. 70 grand in advertising in year on um and it worked. Yeah, it definitely works, but I don't have the massive budgets that other other gyms do. Yeah. And yes, the more money you put in, the more you get back. There is a, there's a there's almost like a, a hard phase of putting money into advertising where let's say your first 10, 20 grand you get not much. But when you start to reach more and more money you you yeah. start to see the turnover greater and greater and also having unsuccessful you know marketing models you know which costs money and make no no acquisition in and, it and, and trial and error costs money as well
1: yeah it's, it's just it's, it, it's it's rough it it's really really rough especially if you're on your own and you don't know what you're doing i mean business is one thing like just because you build it they won't come a hundred percent I mean, you could be the world's best business person, but if you don't understand how to market your product, you're not getting any customers. Mm. It's such a multifaceted thing. And I know anybody listening is probably fucking terrified right now, but the only way to successfully navigate this is fucking do it and fail and fail quickly and adapt quickly. Like you've just got, like I said, the first five years are just fucked Mm. you're just going to be making mistake after mistake after mistake. You're not going to be going anywhere. And then uh, over time you learn your lessons and you start to kind of pick up speed. What you just said is I had this conversation actually today with someone is both, uh,
0: adaptability, Mm. but then another word I like to put with that is, is, is ownership. And that, um, The market's always going to change. The fitness industry has changed heaps. Powerlifting industry has changed heaps. It's you have to be aware that the market's not always going to be the same, and that your product might not end up having might end up being something different in a few Mm. years time, and it might have to be out of necessity, um, depending on what your goals are with your business. But you also need to take ownership for any problems that come with the business, and this is where I've been annoyed with some things like with this pandemic and people's excuses with this, with this pandemic is that, yes, we've all experienced a a form of hardship and there's some things we can't control, especially Mm -hmm. in industry. But if you are responsible for your own finances to some degree, you need to try and adapt. And there are limitations obviously within the pandemic. And I'm saying I'm not, I'm not denying that industries have suffered. It's just that you have to find ways to adapt to the market and, good business owners have developed or adapted to recessions or Mm -hmm. through progressive technology that creates services obsolete or parts of the business obsolete or anything that causes economic downturn is that people who survive have learned to adapt because they own it. They own the problem. Mm -hmm. There's a problem you figure out a way. And as soon as you relinquish ownership of a problem, you no longer solve that problem. And if you're not getting – leads and you blame something else you aren't responsible to do anything about it and that's anything that's everything and um you should i have had this mindset forever of extreme ownership is that i own every possible thing that comes in my way if i lost a client it's my fault if if a staff member lost me money or has left, it's my fault. Yep. You know, I should have been better at screening people. I should have been better at
1: hiring. Well, well at the end, at the end of the day, been, it, like irrespective of anything else, you're yeah. the one wearing the outcome because mm. you own the business. If something goes wrong in your business, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. You're the one who gets hit with it at the end because you're top of the chain. The, uh, the, the extreme ownership thing is interesting because – did that come from the military? Cause obviously you were in the military. That's that. It, it comes from, um, I can't remember his name. He's a Marine and the. Uh, jo- oh, it's Jocko. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's a military. It's a military yeah. theory, isn't it? It's, it's always been
0: my mindset and it's just funny. He, he kind of reinforced it some more. Yeah. Um, it's, always ha- it's always the mindset I've had. It's always a mindset I've had. I don't know if that, it was cause of military, probably cause of military. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, I also know people in the military who are just who are still shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's yeah, still it your atti- it's still yeah. your attitude, um, but yeah, no, he de- definitely. Some of the I follow some of his stuff and it reinforces the idea and the importance of taking ownership yeah. for for everything that you do or goes on um, because it forces you to solve a problem.
1: So, so it's really interesting. I think I feel like um, what is interesting about it is that the fitness industry will have been quite similar to what happened with our industry and and. Look, that this pandemic and the lockdowns, right, has been massive, massive, massive change. But you can, if you look at it, some people have done really, really well. Like more money is made during recessions by people who know what they're doing than any other time. Oh right? yeah. I, there's a gym, there's a gym across the road that's been family owned for like 20 years. It was a great gym. Mm. Okay, it's basically the lockdowns have hit it hard and a, a big kind of company that's got gyms all around the country it's just come in and bought them out and it's just it's just changed over hands now mm. and it's like they've they've basically sat there got all their money together and gone right we can we can we can go buy that gym for half the price it would have cost when mm-hmm. things were good and, and and that's what they that's what they do like in in our industry um it's interesting like my my, my wife is our managing director and Mm -hmm. she is that person who is brilliant at business, sees it as everything as a transaction. It's it's all from a business perspective. Mm. She doesn't give a fuck what we're doing. What money comes through the door and what money leaves is all she's thinking about, right? And when this pandemic hit, we couldn't do anything because we film people, Mm. right? Like nothing could happen. We couldn't go into any workplaces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So some people reacted by, Earning cash on trying to get basically spending more on ads and stuff like that. We for a market that's dead. Exactly. We we cockroach. We called it cockroaching, right? Because mm. cockroach can fucking survive an atomic bomb. We basically sat there and went, "How much money do we have in the bank?" And we stretched that money over six months with little bits popping up here and there. I was like, okay, let's just let's just stretch it as long as we can mm. till till we'll the turnaround, and then we'll build from there. If that may, and. I feel like the fitness industry will have been exactly the same. There will have been a lot of people who overnight lost all their income and just they just didn't do anything about it. But there will have been lots of people who adapted, changed. What happens is, as it's happening, you've, everybody's stood still. But when things open up, the people who've adapted are two, three years ahead. Hmm. And that's, but, that's the
0: responsibility of your money of the you know financial management or financial mm-hmm. freedom. That's the responsibility of financial freedom. Yeah. You know, being responsible for your own income is that there is no steady income stream and you have to yeah. account for, you know, for fluctuations and change of the market. This would have been no different than any other down, big downturn in the yeah. economy. Lots of industries would have went down. It's just lucky Australia doesn't have many of them, you know? Yeah. So I like,
1: mean, tourism was the worst, wasn't it? I think mm-hmm. there is no tourism industry, but, mm-hmm. um, it's funny you. you uh, how how did how did, how was your business affected by COVID? Just out of interest, I made more money. Um,
0: in the end, so I had my gym and I decided to close it down over um, when we locked down. Yep, and. Many reasons. It was actually the decision was made before the lockdowns and stuff happened. Yep. Uh, it just coincided really well with it. So, you know, um, with all the advice I had and stuff, we timed it with, lockdown because you knew there's going to be quite a few advantages yep. to doing so and yes I had any possible advantage there would have been no time in history that the best time to close a business and start again would have been that time. So if you wanted to reassess if you wanted to reassess your business and say I want to try I want to you want to scrap an idea and start again that would have been no better time in all of history in Australia to do that. Yeah. which would have been right at that pandemic I got away with once it got away, I just, you know, there were, um, I did everything legally and was able to, you know, um, sell parts of the company off a lot because I was getting no, no problems from um, financiers and stuff like that because of the econ- economy was going so crazy mm-hmm. that no one could pay attention to any you know any person so mm. we pretty much had a lot of freedom to dictate how we we're going to close this business down um and so from it i actually made quite a bit of money from pulling the gym apart from that i, I reinvested a lot into stocks and made tens of thousands of dollars more money because of the vol- volatility of the of the um of the stock market. Yeah.
1: Cause I like it. stocks like have to pay went through the roof and 10 X over like three or four weeks. Didn't they? Yeah, All that kind of stuff? Um, anyway,
0: then I remodeled, I remodeled the business to be around what my original goals. And they've always been, they've always been the same was, you know, um, financial freedom and freedom of location. So that, yeah, cause, you love cause I love traveling. Yeah. And, and so we modelled the business around that, still providing the service that I am good at and I enjoy. And I developed that athlete management kind of system where that is all online all online based as a membership service and that my sessions are, you know, an extra, an extra cost. So then I dictate when I take sessions or not. Uh, but I base my income off, off the membership base. Yep. Now with a massive reduction in expenses – I mean, so getting rid of all the finances, the the brick and mortar business, mm. the employees. Um, I was able to. I'm actually still earning, probably about fifty to sixty percent of what I was earning at Lifters League, but I have like a ninety percent reduction in expenses. Yeah. So, the fact that I had was had I had about five employees, brick and mortar, pain or finance, earning a certain amount. I'm still earning more than half of that. With yeah. no, no expenses and a lot less stress, like a lot less stress. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <coughs> my money was getting chewed up by unnecessary expenses. Mm-hmm. You know, my ability to make that income is still there. Yeah. It's um, just obviously not as much. I just don't have as much manpower. I don't have as much, you know, coaches and stuff like that to have that high turnaround. But um, I still have two people employed mm-hmm. with me and, and, um, with a much more safer model, well, from what I've learned, I used to put people on wage, um, and it's expensive to keep people on wage. So I do commission. Yeah. So your your pay is dictated based off how well you work.
1: Yeah, of course. You know,
0: just like any other business, if you're good at if you're good at managing your clients, you'll make more money. You'll mm-hmm. keep you'll keep you'll keep more money, and so the same responsibility gets put on my my coaches now, is that. Yeah, I provide I provide commission, you know, on services they provide for my clients, Mm
1: -hmm. and um, yeah, I keep expenses low. I mean, yeah, there is something to um, that—the expenses thing. If you can get to the point where, I mean, I guess when you start, if you do nothing, you earn nothing, but you lose nothing. I guess Mm. you want to stay as close to that as possible. I think. I mean, I was guilty of this. You can get drawn into that. Oh, well, if I add this and add this and add this, look at all the stuff I can do. Mm. And you think of all the potential, right? The the bigger clients and the fucking clothing line and the supplements and all the other stuff, especially in the fitness industry that people want to branch out into. And what you don't think about is I'm adding liabilities all the time. And Mm. that's fine. Like if you're... If you're somebody who is not risk-averse and is business-focused and wants to build a billion-dollar empire, you have to accrue liabilities and you have to wear all that. That's fine. In my estimation, those people are few and far between. Mm -hmm. Like It is better for the average person to reduce those liabilities so money isn't going out the door all the time and just cash in. And not just liability financially,
0: but liability of time as well. Because if people yeah. want to commit to new ideas and, and, and things, and, and that's a good way to put it, is that how much more liability and responsibility you're applying for what you're going to get. And is mm. there just more potential and currently what you're already doing before you decide to diversify or add something? or
1: Well, th- th- this I mean, this is the great thing about business because more doesn't mean more. Like, I mean, you're the perfect example of this. Mm. You Yeah, you can add more coaches and get more clients. But also... You can get more by tweaking your services mm. and can I move it online? Does that change the impact of things? Can I do – like there are a million different things you can do instead of just adding more capacity. Mm. You know what I mean? Usually most of the time adding people will cost you more money.
0: Then yeah. than, um, than it makes you – usually the first opportunities to do so is really to relieve your own time. Yeah. Because um, if you can sustain a surplus of income that's greater, you might want to put some of that money to more, towards more increasing your time. Mm-hmm. But then you also then become responsible for someone else, and that you know your business turnaround may have to be greater yep. to try and sustain that person's income as well as yours. And then, um, but it's a it's a it's a it is a, it, it is a juggle. I probably will not go any more than I've got now because it alleviates enough time and still makes me income. Mm-hmm. You know, so and because I I am based of commission, I don't have as much responsibility. Meaning that if that, if my my income co- if my income goes down, my expenses go down. Yes, goes down with it. The problem with I had with the gym is that my income will go down, but expenses will be exactly the same. Every minute it's costing you money. Yep. Yeah. Um. So you know the way you set up your business does matter too, and but yeah. Um. If you want more liabilities to try and generate greater income, the best approach is that you need to ensure that you are secure financially, that you have the sufficient cash flow, you have the backup capital to sustain yep. that business. And is it only, is that liability only going to interrupt a percentage of your income, not of your of your possible revenue rather than all of it? Mm-hmm. You know, I put risks on all of my capital income to try and generate more. Um, especially when I was getting desperate to make um, to make make ends meet, is that you'll take bigger risks. Yeah. Um. But I have learned that, you know, rather than buying, rather than buying a getting yourself into a mortgage that's going to basically chop 60 percent of your income, and then living on a budget forever until your mortgage is paid in thirty years time. Wouldn't you rather that mortgage only be a very small portion of outgoing expenses, which could be you know come from being able to have huge down payments and have the capacity to have an income revenue streams high enough that it'll cover mm-hmm. that? Plus, you're still sustain sustain your own income. It's just the way you want to. It's just you know make it easy, make it easier by not doing as much and or just thinking about it more.
1: Yeah, and 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 I, I think well the pro- growth mentality actually. Yeah, so we'll we'll end we'll end on that. I mean, that's a great thing that people overlook. Um, and you said it a few times. You allocate time for you to work on your business. Mm. Your if you run a business and you're responsible for that business, time not being in the business is sometimes priceless, and you've got to allow Like You don't want to fill all the hours of the day doing all the time. You need, it may seem lazy to somebody who doesn't understand it, but you need time to just sit there and go and look at everything and come up with ideas, and it's called working on your business instead of mm. in your business. And it's so, so, so important to allocate, Because especially when times are tight, you'll want to just keep doing more work to bring more money through the door. But I can guarantee if you give yourself an investment, it might be a day a month. I am so
0: adamant on maintaining my hours to work on the business is if I see my week going to be too busy working for the business, I will do work on the weekends. I wouldn't do my Mm. on the business work on the weekends. I'll do my for the business work on the weekend. So I have the weekday to sit there. Yeah. And think yeah. about business and how I'm going to grow and how I'm going to develop it. Yeah, and I will always have I'll always have at least a full day off per week to do that. Yeah, um, doesn't always always happen, but that's how I think that's how much I protect that time. Yeah, so, so. important.